When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our websites are clark.com and clarkdeals.com. And you know what we're dedicated to right now is helping you stretch every single penny. And so that is really important right now. If you look at how many people are really suffering with job loss likely could be one-fourth of the American labor force is unemployed, underemployed, or is given up even looking for work right now. So for those not working, every single penny is precious. For those who are working, it's a time of more insecurity. So the federal government puts out something called the Consumer Expenditure Survey. And the Ascent, which is a research organization, has taken that data and distilled it down into what actually goes on in the typical American's life every month. And believe it or not, the way the feds get the data is... They have people do these long phone interviews and ask them to do a survey, and they do it over one-week periods that they then take the numbers from everybody and come up with what people typically spend. So the things I'm going to talk about when you get to housing, that's one that varies a lot in the country. But the typical American spends a third of their spending in a month on housing, whether they are a homeowner or a renter. And it gets really tough in some parts of the country, in the Pacific Northwest, in California, in the mid-Atlantic and Northeast U.S., and really high-cost housing markets where people's cost of housing instead of being a third of their monthly spend, can be half or more, and then that squeezes everything else out of the picture. In fact, it's why people who live in congested urban areas often don't have a vehicle, because if you take what the typical American household spends on housing and on transportation, it's roughly half of monthly spend. So uh, people who live in an area where they don't have a vehicle and are able to crush a lot of the vehicle expense, uh, you know, they may have some Uber or public transit, but they're able to reduce that a great deal. It still ends up being for the typical household. Half of what you spend every month is what it costs for the roof over your head and the expenses associated with it and your transportation. So, that's something that 
is an area, if you find that you're not in a high-cost housing area and you're spending much more than a third of your expenses each month on housing, it means you probably are spending too much, spending on too big a house, too fancy a neighborhood or whatever, and there's got to be a really, really good reason in your own world, in your own life, that you would be in a spend way past that in an area of the country not high housing costs. Now, in terms of what people spend the rest of their money on, they spend 20% of it on insurance, retirement savings, and health care. So now we're up to 70% of what people spend in a typical month, housing, transportation, and health care and insurance of various types. Groceries? Do you know for the average family, seven cents of every dollar they spend is groceries, five cents and a fraction is on eating out. So we have one of the lowest food costs effectively for families in the world. Entertainment, we spend another nickel of every dollar. And giving donations to people, three cents of each dollar. On clothing, three cents of each dollar. Education, two percent, two cents of each dollar. And personal care, that's like getting your hair done or that kind of thing, one cent of each dollar. So you think about those categories, think about where they are in your life. When you look to see where you can have the greatest impact, the greatest impact is always going to be housing and transportation. Other areas, you can certainly have an impact. But when you want to have the greatest change in your life, it's what you spend on those two things. Housing, if you're already in the house you're in and you own it, that's pretty much there. But if you're a renter and you're really squeezed financially, maybe you need to go to a less expensive place to rent when your lease is up. With other expenses, there are places you can certainly trim and make a difference. We talked about recently about how much money you could save if you dump traditional pay TV, if you shop your cell phone service, any of the monthly bills that are just there that just show up, that's an area you can have impact and potentially add up to a few thousand dollars a year in reduced spending. But the big bucks is going to be that roof over your head and transportation. If the vehicle you're driving is still working fine and you've tired of it, but it's not tired out, one of the ways you can really attack your spending going forward, keep driving that vehicle you have instead of feeling like, hey, I want that new vehicle and I deserve it. And look at all the deals. Remember, you're going to be paying for that for years to come. Now, we're answering your questions that you post at Clark.com slash ask with producers Kim and Joel alternating, asking the questions that you have posted. And Kim, you're up first. 
All right. This is from Tim in Georgia. He says, we're looking into purchasing a property that has a connected in-law suite. My mother-in-law would be staying there. She wants to help us with the mortgage on the house. So I'm wondering, is there anything special that needs to be set up for an arrangement like that? Also, should we get life insurance on her in order to cover our housing costs if she was to pass? Now, you are a planner. (laughs) And first, I think it's wonderful that you sound like it's great to have your mother-in-law living under your roof. It's interesting with family dynamics. Sometimes people, not so much, other times would be great. And I'm not going to put you, Kim, and you, Joel, on the spot, how it would feel having an in-law living under your roof. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciate that. (laughs) It does vary house to house, so and family to family. So let's deal with the first thing first. You are allowed to give any other individual, doesn't even have to be a relative, up to $15,000 each year without any implications tax-wise or otherwise. It is better for you financially because there's no deduction for paying rent for you just have a friendly agreement, um, can't be in writing, that your in-law, your mother-in-law is going to give you you so much money per year. And that money is just because you're breathing. But effectively, it's for you being able to cover the housing cost and her living under your roof. Now, the second thing you talked about, I mean, you could have her sign a lease, an informal lease, and pay you every month, but then you're in a whole different situation that you suddenly have a portion of your home that's a rental property, you're having to report that. Um, It's possible there would be some small tax advantages to it, but not enough worth doing. On the second thing about how you would cover the cost of the house after she is no longer with us on earth you could um, if she's healthy buy a life insurance policy on her life with you being the owner on her life and that would be the most practical way to do it then the money would certainly flow tax-free to you and it would cover the risk that you would face she's got to be healthy though for you to buy a term life insurance policy of that type If she has very minimal assets, she can own it with one of you being the beneficiary. And I would use one of the term life insurance shopping services that are used several of them that we list on Clark.com under our term life insurance section. Joel? Clark Mary in Texas says, we really appreciate you and your team. Property taxes in our area have increased quite a bit in the last several years. We have a rental property in the area where we live, so we've learned that there are companies, and they say that they'll represent property owners to pursue possible tax savings. They say unless they save us money, we don't pay anything. So is it a good idea to hire one of these companies? And if so, what should we be aware of before signing an agreement with them? You know, it's really common to use one of these property tax appeal services if you have commercial property. And in more and more of the United States, people use these firms for their own home, in your case, for a rental property. And in Texas, this is a big deal because Texas has extremely high property taxes, so high there are even Texans that are choosing to 
become ex-Texans and move somewhere else because of the burden of the high property tax. So generally, in a commercial situation, you pay a fee up front for the appeal and then maybe a portion as commission of the money saved. Residential, like you mentioned, usually they say it's free up front, but you give a big chunk of the savings to the firm that handles the appeal for you. And my attitude is if the stakes are high enough with the taxes, you're best off if the company offers you the option of paying them an upfront fee and then giving them a smaller portion of the money that they save you, if that is, in fact, an option you're offered. As to whether or not it's a good idea to use one of these firms, I think it's a great idea unless you have real expertise in the structure and format of doing an appeal. These firms are successful for a reason. They know how the game is played, and they will have better results typically than you will as an individual homeowner. Kim? All right, so Stephanie in Washington says, I'm turning 26 this month and I'm losing my health insurance for my parents. I'm having a difficult time finding any. Can you suggest a place that I would start so I can really compare prices and plans? So on your 26th birthday, you are considered under the rules for the healthcare exchanges to be a full adult now. So you thought that you became a full adult at 21, but for healthcare purposes, it's your 26th birthday. So around your birthday, you're eligible to go to healthcare.gov and buy a policy on the exchange. That's where you don't have to worry about pre-existing conditions or anything like that. And depending on your income, you may be eligible for a subsidy of your premiums. If you're eligible for a subsidy of your premiums, then it's just a matter of picking whether you want bronze, silver, gold, platinum, what level of coverage, what deductibles you want to face. Um, Each plan will have limits on what doctors and facilities you can go to. You want to make sure your providers that you enjoy seeing are included on the plan. If you don't qualify for a subsidy based on your income, it will be very expensive extremely expensive buying coverage then you're put into a bit of a bind you are allowed to buy what's known as a non-qualifying policy not on the exchange that is considered to be a temporary policy that you're allowed to buy for a year at a time for up to three years these policies have strict limits on what they pay for do not include pre-existing conditions but will cost very little premium But reality, you're getting what you pay for, and you get very little meaningful coverage with one of these non-qualified plans. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Clark Rave. That's where we talk about something that we are doing as Americans to help our fellow Americans. And 
there's one population in the United States that is extremely overlooked when it comes to the risk of coronavirus, and that's prisoners, people that are locked up for a crime they've committed. And coronavirus is turning out in our nation's prisons and jails to potentially be a death sentence because you have people in very tight quarters. Uh, Medical care is very limited in prisons. It's a danger to the prison guards and prison staff as well as to the inmates. So it's not something that people usually think about or focus on. But I was very impressed with the story about a woman in Memphis who's a grandmom who saw this as a real need. And this was reported on by Fox 13 Memphis TV that this grandmom named Hattie Jackson took on as her assignment to make face masks for people in prison. And she makes them for the guards. She makes them for the prisoners. The idea is to see that every person in the prison near her in Memphis has protective face, uh, face shield. Remember, the face mask protects others from an individual who may have coronavirus. So people wearing it are doing potentially a life-saving thing by wearing them. Her goal is to either make herself or get others to make masks for all 1,800 people in this particular prison facility. A lot of prisoners in that. And I love this, that people are finding needs all different ways and making it happen. Wonderful to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to have ideas so you can stretch every dollar. And I have been through an adjustment, like so many Americans, spending an extreme amount of time at home, and that has caused me to change consumer habits. Historically, um, I and we as a family ate out an enormous amount. And it was it's not like my nephew, who has never turned on the burners on his stove or turned on the oven in his home he's lived in for about 10 years. Not that bad, but pretty bad if you think of that as unbalanced that we ate out all the time, now mostly eating home. And it's brought back some things that, well, hadn't been part of my life in a long, long time, and that's frozen meals. So I had no idea how hard it would be as we pivoted to being big-time grocery shoppers, how difficult it would be to get uh, frozen mac and cheese, frozen lasagna, frozen who knows what that you throw in the wave, and then you have a meal ready to eat in four minutes, six minutes. And um, before people get upset about my terrible eating habits again, eating those processed meals, I'm just laying it out for you. That's what's going on. A lot of ramen Um, all those kind of things. Although this morning, I have actually learned how to fry eggs, which for me is an accomplishment, make omelets. And uh, I've gotten really 
accomplished at flipping eggs just right without breaking the yolk. But a lot of what I'm doing is these processed foods. And I've been looking at the quarterly reports because who else does that but me anyway. And people are buying things like Doritos chips and Oreo cookies and crackers and I mean, you name junk food, people are buying junk food like it's going out of style. And I saw a thing recently in uh, the release from General Mills that a lot of the things they sell, like cereals, have skyrocketed in sales. And I saw in a news report that goldfish, you know, those little goldfish, their sales are up 20%. I mean, we are eating an enormous amount of what I think is referred to as comfort food. And then I'm not the only one very heavily eating frozen food. One other trend, people are baking like mad. A lot of stuff that people use for baking and cooking is in short supply. I saw Gosh, I don't remember where I saw this story, but it was really funny. It was about, you know, restaurants account for a huge amount of, of food supply delivery. Well, so many restaurants have either much lower volume or they're closed for now. And so you've got these huge restaurant supply size of things, like any kind of uh, restaurant supply it could be salad dressing, could be um, flour could be any anything involved with food prep and temporarily those items are allowed to be sold to the general public so I read this story and I, I'm going to quote by memory because I don't remember where I saw it that people are buying these massive massive restaurant sized things and then they don't even have a place to store them and they've got like a lifetime supply of sugar or flour or potatoes or whatever. And recently I got an email from one of the clearance sites offering restaurant size quantities of pasta. And I was starting to buy it. And then I realized I went and looked in our pantry and I realized the quantity that I would have been buying of, as an example, angel hair would have been like a three or four year supply for our family and they'd go bad probably before then so i passed <laughs> oh it's time for your questions but first i want to ask kim and joel what have either of you been buying that fit the junk food kind of categories that were not big purchases in your household before coronavirus. That's so funny. So, of course, you're inspiring this conversation. And because we're not in the same room, we've been asking each other. And it's the same thing. Ice cream for both of us. Yep. Lots of ice cream consumed in our house right now. And we never used to keep ice cream in our house. And we're eating ice cream like every other day now. Any particular brand or flavor? Um, for me, it's the Aldi house brand. I think it's called Belmont. And we're going back and forth between butter pecan and like a chocolate chip cookie dough. And I'm kind of a chocolate ice cream guy. And when we usually go with the uh, the Kroger brand. So, so uh, Kim, for you, you know, Aldi also sells a Belmont super premium ice cream in the pint. 
Have you done a taste test? Uh, I only buy high butterfat content, really ultra premium snobby ice cream, <laughs> even if it's from Aldi. And so Aldi has a cherry ice cream in the super premium that I love. And then they have one that's their version of like cookie dough. Mm, it's so good. Oh, you know that one? Yeah, that's, so that's a regular in our house. So you super premium for that. I two, guess we did. Two nineteen, yeah. I think, for the pint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also like 1,100 and something calories for a pint. And I sit <laughs> on my treat day, which is Sunday, and I'll eat that whole pint in one sitting. And then I feel pretty crummy for like <laughs> two hours. So I'm sorry to hear all that. So post your questions for me at clark.com slash ask. Yep. And then producers Kim and Joel alternating. Kim, you're up first. All right. This is from Whitney in South Carolina. She says, my husband and I both have our 401ks and a target retirement plan for 2040. With this in mind, at what age is it necessary to involve a financial planner? I've been leery to contact one because I know once I reach out, I'm going to have to start paying them. So if you're doing automatic pilot target retirement fund, and you're 20 years from your likely retirement, you don't have a crying need for a financial planner advisor at all, um, at least not at this point in your life. The real role of a financial planner is not to say uh, you should be in this fund or that fund or not in this other one or whatever. Their role, if they're well-trained and really qualified, is much larger than that. And it's at certain times in your life where you're having to make big time decisions and you would be much more likely to need the services of one when you get to a point where you're closing in on retirement and you start figuring out how you handle the next phase of your life. So for you, as long as you're saving a substantial, meaningful sum of your money every month in those 2040 target funds, you're good because the key is that you're well diversified and that you're saving enough money so you can ultimately reach your goals. With your 401k plan, there's probably tools you can use to see if you're on track to have a comfortable retirement and how much you're saving. Or if you can't find one with your 401k provider, you can look third party. And make sure that you are putting a high enough percent of your pay aside so that you will reach your goals. The big thing is putting enough money in there so that you can have that comfort later in your life. Joel? Clark Pamela in Florida says, when is the best time to shop around for a better price on homeowner's insurance? Does it matter if I'm trying to do it before closing on a refinance of a mortgage or should I do it? Yeah. When, when's the best time? Well, it's not really related to your refi, but you said a key word up front. The state again? Florida. Florida. Florida has a completely messed up um, homeowner's insurance market because homeowner's insurers, the big national insurers, could not properly calculate actuarial risk because of rising sea levels, increasing activity of storms, and um, increasing losses, where there have been 
uh, more and more irregular patterns. And so the traditional homeowners insurers abandoned the state when their brand name stayed in the state of Florida. They set up separate subsidiaries that did not create a risk to the parent company. So Florida's market is not a normal homeowner's insurance market at all. You are free to shop around with the small number of companies that exist. The big thing in Florida, if you are a homeowner and resident of the state of Florida, not a non-resident owner, but you're an owner in the state of Florida, you are likely to end up with backing by the state if your insurer ends up insolvent following a huge hurricane where non-resident owners are really going to be left to fend for themselves if the homeowner's insurer fails. So what I recommend for non-resident owners is you really want to pay attention to the underlying financial strength of the insurer. For resident owners, you can shop around and see the best deal you can get. The most important step on that is when you're getting quotes, get quotes based on taking the highest deductible you think you can live with. And know that a name storm has different coverages than you're going to have with a non-name storm. Kim? Laura in Georgia says that she's been shopping around for a used ATV and she keeps running into these ads where the sellers say they have to go through eBay Motors. But then when you get down to the nitty gritty, the eBay, the email that comes from eBay supposedly says that you have to pay for it with eBay gift cards in increments of $200 each. Is this a scam that you've ever heard of? It is a scam. And it's so good that you saw the warning signs. That's a case where an individual is just flat out trying to steal money from you. There uh, likely is no ATV they're actually selling. And it's a problem that if this is a listing you saw on eBay Motors or on eBay, you need to report this to eBay and let them know that there seems to be a scammer in the midst. It's not good for them to have crooks on their platform There is no legitimate reason that a seller would want you paying with any kind of gift cards instead of paying the real way through eBay Motors, which would be typically through the PayPal platform. Joel? Clark Judith in Connecticut says, my husband and I are 68 and 70 years old respectively, and we have over $250,000 in mostly savings accounts with one credit union. Should we move the amount over the federally insured amount of $250,000 into a new savings account or CD with another bank because this money is going to be very important in our retirement. Yes. The answer to that is yes. You, uh, when you start getting to a point that you're going past the quarter million, there's no reason for you to create that insecurity. You already have demonstrated to me that you are an extremely conservative saver with the money you're going to live on in retirement you're not someone who is investment oriented so you want no risk with your money and so you don't want to have money beyond the 250 i would like you to set up an online savings account with one of the online banks they're fdic insured if you go to bankrate.com 
click on savings rate, go past the ads, and then you'll see the list of the best rates in the country, which are going to be from typically 1.4 to 1.7%, although those rates change repeatedly. Go with one of those online banks, put in a decent amount of money. If that's a lot more than you're earning at the credit union, then reverse it where you put, uh, let's say, a couple hundred thousand in the online bank savings account and the remainder remains at your credit union. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask and post it. And then producers Kim and Joel alternating asking your questions for you. And Kim, what do you have? This is from Cecilia in California. She says, please give us information regarding end-of-life insurance, specifically options for purchasing cremation services. Thank you for this question because what you're talking about historically, ironically enough, was always referred to in the insurance industry as burial insurance, which is an archaic description now that particularly in the western states, somewhere between 70 and 75 percent of people are choosing to be cremated instead of buried. The good news, Cecilia, is that cremation is unbelievably inexpensive versus a traditional burial. And you're talking about something you can buy many times for hundreds of dollars, not even beyond $1,000. But even if it goes beyond 1000 it won't be much beyond it. So buying insurance for this is something I don't recommend because the cost is so relatively low. In addition, if you join your local funeral and memorial society in California, which you can find at funerals.org, you're able to get below market rate costs on funerals, cremations, and if somebody prefers a burial, to the point that buying a low-value life insurance policy, I mean, think about how expensive it would be to buy an insurance policy to insure a need that might be $600 or $800. It's something that's best paid just with straight cash or even, my goodness, you're not going to believe I'm going to say it, if somebody passes away and they need a cremation and you can't afford it and you have to make sure you get that done, this would be a case where even using a credit card would be better than having a low-value life insurance policy for that purpose. Joel? Clark Rita from Texas says, are there any legitimate work-at-home jobs that you can recommend? This is something that we've worked at hard ever since my original website launched in 1997 because we have had over the years so many people looking for legitimate work at home. So we do a guide that we uh, regularly update on work at home that's available at Clark.com. Go to the search box, put in work at home guide, skip the ads that will pop up, and then click on our guide. And these are organizations and opportunities that we have vetted and we believe with near 100% certainty are legit. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.